Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello there and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Global News Weather Specialist Mike Conkin on this second summer we're enjoying. Two people on robots in construction in Winnipeg and Manitoba, Greg McKee and Darren Wanless. And Global News reporter Merrick Takash tells us about his experiences with violence in downtown Winnipeg. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. Global News weather specialist Mike Conkin. Are you gloating in the halls at Portage and Maine today, sir? 110%. Yes. <laughs> well, you, yes. Des- you deserve it, man. This is a beautiful day. Yeah, no, it's great. And the other great part of it is, like, we don't get to pat ourselves on the back a whole lot when it comes to weather stuff because everybody is a weather expert, at least in some respect. And it's like, yeah, you blew it on this day. It was supposed to be this hot. It wasn't quite that hot. But we were talking about this kind of heat Last Tuesday, unfortunately, there was an election that day, so that probably occupied most of people's <laughs> most of people's time. That's where all but, the, that's where all the hot air came from. Yeah, yeah. So it took right. a little it took a little while, but eventually it started to get into the atmosphere <laughs> a little bit more, and we eventually warmed up. But yeah, we were looking for the heat to really hit today and tomorrow, and we yep. actually got a beauty yesterday. We got up to twenty nine. It was really nice yesterday, and I mm-hmm. see after reading the forecast here that tomorrow the humidex is going to get mm-hmm. close to forty. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be right up against it. So the old warning criteria for humidity used to be up at 40, and it's changed a little bit now. The Humidex will certainly be a factor for you tomorrow, but also keep in mind tonight, not going to be terribly cold. You're only going to be dropping down to around 20. So if you think after a hot day today, you can open up the windows at night and you're going to get a little bit of relief. Not so much the case. It's probably going to be an air conditioning night. Wow. If that's still in place. Well, and that's what I was just going to say. You know, it's weird. We had the AC going. Then it's like, man, we better get the furnace fired up. You just get the furnace going because it got pretty cold some of those nights. And now we need the AC again. Yeah, we uh, we haven't hit zero officially here in Winnipeg. We got as cool as 2.8 degrees on the 8th. So, yeah, the... uh, yeah, the mechanisms that are sitting in your basement are having a hard time kind of picking up what, what job they need to do. That's why they're kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Yes, no kidding. And so uh, tomorrow I mentioned the Humidex will get close to 40, mm-hmm. or at least that's what the forecast says. Uh, yeah. 26 on Wednesday. How long is this nice warm weather going to hang in there? Well, we could be a little bit cooler on Wednesday. Like, kind of starting on Wednesday, it gets to be a little bit more of a mixed bag because we're going to see some low pressure move in, and that's why there is that slight chance of showers. This doesn't look like this would not be a big rain event. If we're going to get another big rainfall, that would be closer to the weekend, kind of showing up on Friday and Saturday. So we'll see how that plays out. But starting on Wednesday and then through Thursday, Friday, temperatures will start to kind of come back into more of a... We'll say comfortable range. We're going to say like mid to low 20s, and that Humidex Valley should be a little bit lower for us as well. So today, tomorrow, obviously yesterday, yeah. those are the real cookers. Uh, but then we're going to start to bring it back. They'll still be warmer than normal temperatures. Typically this time of year, we're around 18, so over 20. That is uh, that is above normal for us. So we still have some nice weather to go through this week, which is 
kind of making up for last week where we were kind of barely over 10 degrees a couple times. I think we hit 13 as a high twice. Yeah, and cloudy and wet. Yes, we can absolutely do better. And then is that it uh, for this second summer? I heard Greg Mackling this morning on the start call it the second summer. Is that it then, or, or will we maybe get some more warm weather at some point? This would be pretty good for us. We're, yeah. we're already kind of getting late in the game in September. Right. You can sometimes get a day where you hit 30 degrees as far as humidity goes. Uh, you'll get to 30 a couple times with the Humidex. 40 is like a real stretch. Over 35, you might get one day like that. So chances are today and tomorrow, we're already we're already hitting above our average uh, for September as far as what the heat will typically bring. So we're, we're still in the conversation as far as getting close to record temperatures today. We likely won't break it, but 32.8 is the record for today. 30 is our expected high tomorrow. The record for tomorrow was 31.8. That was set back in... 1989. So we're mm. we're in the conversation for some yeah. of the warmest September days that we've had on record here in Winnipeg, which go back to 1872. So lots right. to draw from. Yeah. And any sense, uh, Mike, what our fall might look like or even what our early winter might look like? Are we going to see snow and cold early? Like, I, I realize it's tough for you guys to, you know, it's not an exact sign. It's not an yeah. exact science. But uh, what are you reading? What are you? Uh, what are your weather friends telling you? What What can we maybe look forward to? Well, the the biggest thing that'll probably get your attention will be the potential for more big rain as we get closer to the weekend. So we've already had two really good rounds of it, and typically this is not a damp month, which is kind of fortunate because we do have a lot of farmers out there going through harvest right. and uh, whatnot. So we started off the month with quite a bit of rain uh, last week uh, into the weekend, Friday, Saturday. Again, quite a bit of rain, and we could see that happen again this week. So it is. we've already had far more, uh, almost 50% more rain than we typically see this month register mm. here in the city. Could get more rain on uh, before we get into the weekend. So I'm curious to see how this will stack up against uh, September stats as far as how much rain we will see this month. So I'll actually, I'm going to put in a call for to Environment Canada about that uh, later on this afternoon. We'll see how that goes. But... For the time being, it looks like temperatures are actually going to be staying on the warmer side uh, for the for the near future anyway. Long term, we'll eventually hit cooler stuff, but uh, we're looking pretty good as far as having our first frost day, which is typically September 22nd. We may, we may be able to go a little longer than that. All right. Mike Conkin, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, Hal. Greg McKee at SMS Equipment. Good afternoon, Greg. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate it. So SMS Equipment sells this automated or robotic construction equipment to construction companies. How's business in Winnipeg and Manitoba? Well, uh, it's not the best year in our industry. Things are uh, a little tight with uh, within our industry. Our customers are struggling a little bit. But normally, um, you're selling a lot of this stuff, eh? Correct. It's it's popular in the industry nowadays, and especially in today's marketplace where business is tough. Uh, construction companies are looking for the competitive advantage right. to give them a leg up in the business. And time is money, I guess, and automated or robotic equipment saves time, right? Absolutely. You can uh, definitely save manpower on a large project. You can almost eliminate a full step in the construction process. So tell me about one of the more popular pieces of equipment that's uh, automated or robotic. Tell me about it. What does it do? So one of the most popular items these days is a bulldozer with automated controls. So 
the concept is, and, and if you anybody's looked at a construction site, they see guys out there with uh, survey equipment driving stakes in to, uh, they're called grade stakes, to uh, to provide the grade and the and the uh, bulldozer operator normally grades the, the the material to those grade stakes, right. and it's a labor intensive process. So with automation, you can essentially go from design on a computer, and it uploads into the bulldozer, and the driver just presses a, essentially presses a button, and it will take him right to the final grade, no stakes no extra step and uh, saves material manpower and uh, saves money all around and gets a better job. Interesting. But you still need somebody running that dozer, right? Absolutely. Uh, It doesn't matter what we've got today in the marketplace. You still need a person in the seat. Do you see a day where that person may not be sitting in that seat or will there always be a human sort of behind the automation and robotics? The way I see it, somebody's always going to be running the machine in the construction industry. If you look at the mining industry, you've got autonomous haul trucks, but there's a huge infrastructure has been installed to support that mm-hmm. for a construction project, not feasible. And I often joke, you know, sometimes it seems like here in Winnipeg and Manitoba, we're a little behind everybody. Are we behind other cities and provinces on this or are we right there? I'd say with our company, as we've sort of surveyed the industry, we're right there, maybe a little above the curve. Wow, interesting. And above the curve in what sense? Um, The level of interest in this automated product in Manitoba is significant, probably more so than than, uh, our other Western Canadian provinces. Well, interesting stuff, Greg. Thanks a lot for this. I really appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day, Hal. Greg McKee at SMS Equipment. They sell robotic or automated construction equipment to construction companies here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. We're talking about robots, robotics, automation. And I'm kind of focusing in on construction because I saw an article, I read a bit of it earlier. I saw an article a while ago, and that's what got me realizing, wow, like, you know, robots in construction is a big deal. And uh, we chatted earlier about this with Greg McKee from SMS Equipment. They sell the robotic construction equipment to construction companies locally. And again, thanks to Chris Lawrence at the uh, Heavy Construction Association for hooking me up with Greg and the gentleman that we are about to talk to here. Geo Point Solutions, also known as WGPS locally. Darren Wanless is on the phone. Darren, good afternoon. Afternoon, Hal. So tell me about robotics in construction here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Where's it at? Um, it's been growing for quite a while now. Um, in construction industry, there's not fully robotic um, equipment, so to speak, but it's become more and more automated. So we like to use the word automated because it's less scary to unions and to uh, workers who are afraid of losing their jobs. But we're finding that it's not actually people are losing their jobs. It's just that the automation is replacing skilled laborers and operators 
that are retiring. Right. Less and less people are going into the construction industry, so they need to be more productive uh, companies. So that's why they're turning to automation to help uh, make sure projects are being done on time and under budget. Sure. I keep hearing that, that yes, a few specific jobs might be lost, but others are being created. So it's just sort of a shifting of the workforce, I guess, eh? Exactly. It's happening pretty much across most uh, technical uh, technical careers or, or um, industries. So, for example, in uh, construction, we installed a, um, a GPS or a robotic, we still use the word robotic system, onto a grader back when the um, Winnipeg Airport Authority was doing their expansion. And that was the first full 3D automated um, grader. Since that time, literally over 100 pieces of heavy equipment. Um, so that was 2006. So since that time, hundreds of pieces of equipment in the province have been automated. But nobody's lost their job because they still need the operators to sit in the cab to operate the equipment. And that's partly because it's a safety factor and also to fully automate a uh, piece of machinery on a construction site would require so much more on the back end because the, uh, the, every site is different. And the vehicles passing back and forth on the site need to be smarter to be able to see what is in front of them. And that mm. still isn't there yet to be able to automate every piece of equipment. Right. But you see that someday where that human's not going to be needed. Yes, depending on the application. A good example is farming. So farming, um, the systems that we've, uh, we're installing in construction equipment, that's been around for, for years with farming tractors. So it's called the auto steer system. And literally, that's how those crops get planted so nice and, and straight in the right. field because yeah. the GPS steers the tractor. But the farmer still sits in the tractor to turn it at the end of the row. Honestly, though, because the field stays in the same size year after year, that actually can be automated and put into full robotic mode very easily. It's just that, again, it's that next step. Do we need to do that? And there are farms who have that. So tell me about the benefits here then, Darren, because if it takes a human to do the job still, where are we getting ahead? Where is technology, robotics, automation, whatever you want to call it, how is it making this better? Well, and actually, going back to 06, um, the company involved at the time, they were Mulder Construction. Uh, they're now a part of Maple Leaf. But the operator, he was the fellow who had retired multiple times. But he was such a skilled operator that the company president kept on asking him to come back year after year for specific jobs, like for, for high-profile jobs. Mm. And because he was such a skilled operator. When he first looked at this system, he's, he was hesitant, he was afraid, but after the first few days, he realized, you know what, I can actually work longer with this. At the end of the day, even after eight hours, operating a piece of heavy equipment is actually very stressful. Sure. You have to worry about backing up and not hitting anybody and then meeting to grade, and it's very difficult to actually run a piece of heavy equipment mm -hmm. and get to the desired elevations. But if you take that out of it and you let... The uh, machine control, that's what we call it, 3D machine control, if you take that and allow it to operate it automatically, you're less stressed. He actually found that he could actually work longer at the end of the day. Also, he was physically less tired because you're not operating all the levers and turning and moving around. So it actually helps reduce uh, operator fatigue, helps increase safety. But the most important thing is it increases productivity, reduces fuel, so there's many benefits for it. And how much of this are we seeing in construction in the city and in the province? A lot of it? Are we behind everybody else? It seems like Winnipeg and Manitoba is always a bit behind everybody. Well, a good friend of mine always used to say, 
Manitobans, we're so far behind, we think we're first. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, we, we definitely catch up in a fierce way. We like to be the innovators. So, in fact, some of the farmers, um, like I said, they were some of the first adopters of this technology. And we are, we will adopt technology faster, but we're also very hesitant. We realize the ramifications of it. So we like to say, okay, let's just hold on and see what will be the end result. But no, they've, um, with, ha- with all the contractors, like the major contractors in the province, they all have at least one, if not multiple systems. Hmm. Then even the smaller to mid, mid-range contractors have one as well, or they're getting into it. And many, many projects now are actually specifying it that only contractors who have this technology are able to actually bid on the job because then that makes the consultants' uh, jobs easier and faster. And the idea is that it's supposed to streamline everything. And you're a consultant, Darren, so how has it changed your job? For us, it, um, it's definitely made it a bit easier because... Uh, surveying involves going out and pounding stakes in uh, to and marking them with an elevation to tell the contractor you need to raise the gravel or the dirt to this elevation, and that's where the finished grade will be. If we don't have to be pounding hundreds of stakes into compacted gravel every day, that takes a lot of toll off of our shoulders, believe me. So then, so that makes us more productive. We can go out and do more jobs. It does also less stress on, on our people as well. Then the other thing is that it does make it more advanced. You have to know the technology, you have to learn, so which is also a good thing. At the same time, though, I do also notice that in the industry, some, some projects get put out faster with more issues because there's less thinking going in because, oh, well, let's just fix it in the field. So there's, there's also still a, a, a chance that there's a lack of quality in certain regards because it becomes too easy. So that's the problem is that you also still have to make sure that you're not sacrificing quality with quantity that you can get more done because that's the ultimate thing. In this province, we have literally on a yearly basis, like let's say under 80 good days of, of actual construction time to, to, to make hay, so to speak, and go out there and, and place the road. Anything above that is, is great because that means there's extra days. But with it raining and, this, and then um, – cloudy days the sites don't dry out fast enough so that's the biggest thing is it's just the time everything is related to time in construction in this province right that's interesting that you say uh you know there are more mistakes maybe sometimes because you figure well the technology will handle that and if it doesn't now you're in trouble yes and the old adage oh it's just pushing buttons that's what gets more and more people into trouble because think of it that you could actually place more material in a faster time but if it's incorrect, then you then that means you have more to go and undo if it wasn't properly set up. Right. Before I let you go, uh, you mentioned off-air to me the use of drones and monitoring, say, a bridge. Tell me about that. Yeah, so that's on the survey side. So the construction industry doesn't get into that as much, but um, they we use drones, so um, flying UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles, so... Um, we can go out and fly these little drones, so they're more powerful than the ones you just get down at uh, Staples or at uh, Best Buy, but they, we actually can use those as well. But we can actually fly them over an area, survey it, and make a 3D model of what is there. So it actually allows us to go and survey, say, a quarry that, that's too dangerous to walk along the edges because of falling rocks or it's steep cliffs. We can actually survey that, that all in very accurately. That uh, allows us, so that is more of a way of robotics. You can say that is 
and sense robotic surveying. Right. The other one that we would do is, um, say, a bridge or a dam. In the traditional way to monitor, to make sure that there's, it's not settling or it's, it's going to collapse, you go, would go out and measure control points set on the bridge or the dam or a building and monitor it surveying. So maybe you do it every week, maybe you do it every month. But the problem is, is that, that you're just doing it at that moment in time. Now there's technology that we set up, a, it's called a robotic total station, and it's set up 24-7, and it just sits there measuring these points, these prisms or targets on the building or the bridge, and it's constantly monitoring it, and it can alert if there is an issue, like if it changes or moves too much outside the safety factor. A good example of this is out in British Columbia. Uh, my previous company, we set up... Um, the uh, robotic total station to monitor prisms on the mountain at Frank Slide. I'm not sure if you know Frank Slide. That's I know that's... Frank Slide well. I grew up in southern Alberta, and we would go by there in the foothills of Alberta all the time. There you go. So there's a, uh, if you look on the north side of the highway, up the hill, there's a shack. And inside that shack, there's a robotic total station that's sitting there, and it's just measuring these prisms on the mountain on the other side constantly. If there's any movement outside of a few millimeters, then it will alert and send emails to whoever uh, is on the email list. So wow. think of it as it's almost like a mini earthquake detection yeah. system. Isn't that cool? Hey, Darren, uh, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. Interesting stuff. And it's nice to see that Winnipeg and Manitoba is on the cutting edge. My pleasure. Thank you, Al. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Darren. Darren Wanless, GeoPoint Solutions, also known locally as WGPS. We're going to uh, talk now here. We don't have much time, but I want to get him on here. Uh, Merrick Takash, one of the uh, Global News reporters. Actually, uh, Merrick, don't tell uh, Scarpelli, don't tell Greenslade, don't tell any of them down there, but you're one of my favorite of all the reporters. <laughs> it's always a pleasure when I get to uh, interrupt my day to come on with you, Hal, that's for sure. You're working on a story uh, for the news after four here with Richard and Julie and also on Global News Television tonight at 6 and 10 about downtown violence. We had that attack last week and now we've got this stabbing. Tell us what you're working on. Yeah, well, you know, Hal, I... Uh there was a stabbing, obviously the stabbing at uh, on the avenue at Portage, just by our building here at 201 Portage, right? Kind of right. right by Portage and Main, and yeah. then the double stabbing. And uh, I actually was uh, I was walking around the downtown to myself. I, as you know, I haven't been in Winnipeg long. I live I live downtown. I've only been here since October, so my view of the downtown isn't quite clouded yet. Like some of the Winnipeggers I talked to this morning for my story, but I, I was walking home, and it was about 11.30 at night on Saturday, and I witnessed I witnessed two assaults happen right in front of me. One wow. uh, was a three-on-one, and they were uh, they had a baseball bat to the head of some guy, and then um, on York, um, I saw a somebody getting uh, stomped on the ground, so I made mm. sure I called police for one of them, and uh, somebody else called for the other. So that right there, and I mean, just speaking just on my own behalf, I was three blocks away from home, and I was close to calling a cab. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's scary stuff, absolutely. And, and you know, I was saying earlier, and now maybe I'm changing my mind after hearing about your weekend, I was saying earlier, you know, it, it, this stuff does and, and can and does happen everywhere. 
I wonder if we don't notice it more, pay more attention when it happens downtown because, you know, thousands of cars are driving on Portage. They see the mm-hmm. police tape and the and the blood and stuff after this latest double sta- uh, stabbing. But but listen, just you you live there. You work there. You mm-hmm. you tell me, is, is it worse downtown? It seems like it is. Is that perception or reality? Well, you know what, Hal? I I have I don't really feel unsafe downtown a lot. I mean, it definitely has its moments, but I mean, if you're, I'm under the impression where if you're down there minding your own business, not a not a whole lot's gonna go wrong. But I have to, I talked to numerous Winnipeggers today. I was hanging out at the Forks and asking people if they feel safe and comfortable in their cities downtown. I had numerous people tell me that they don't go downtown and they don't let their kids go downtown alone. And Saying that, it starts to bring a negative energy to the downtown area as a whole when you hear that from too many people. I mean, when you think about it, too many people having that opinion, it has to be problematic for the city when they're in the middle of attempting to make the downtown more vibrant. Right. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing the story on Global News Television tonight and hearing more about it as we go along here this afternoon. Merrick, thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks, Hal. Anytime. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.